Mikael Rinholt. I'm Superman. No, no, I'm not. Pain is some serious business. It ain't everyone who knows what to do about it. Now I hear there's a podcast just about this. It doesn't talk of pain alone, but other interesting things distracting the mind from it. So I suggest you tune in to Outsmart the Pain and listen to what Karsten has to say about it. Get ahead. Get it done. Listen to the podcast and maybe change your life or someone else's. So today I will talk to someone that you probably haven't heard about before, otherwise you are a very discreet famous person, but a very interesting one that I am sure we will have a lot of fun listening to and I will have talking to. Mikael Rinholt, uh, warmly welcome. Thank, thank you so much, it's a pleasure to be here. I have uh, actually seen some things about you in social media, uh, the professional one LinkedIn. Uh, I know that you have been working during the pandemic where you had to make sure that things logistically worked at the hospital. Yeah. And and I wasn't really interested in what you were doing practically because I wouldn't have an idea, but I saw the comments and mm. they were like uh, this is a guy who really solves problems. He thinks outside the box. There is never a problem, which makes me very interested in such a guy. Uh, and the other thing is that when you write something in social media where you have a lot of followers, you always end with love and respect. Yeah. Always love and respect, love and respect. And I will ask you later on if that really works. But we will start with, who are you? Tell us just a little bit about you. Well, I'm 46 years old, uh, living in the southern of Sweden, uh, in a little village called uh, Smygehamn, or Stora Isi, a really, really small village, uh, with my five children and a lovely wife on a small farm with uh, some hens and some cats and some dogs. and so, Yeah. So my hands are full during the day and during the spare time and during the holidays. I was kind of thinking after you said that about five children, is there anything else to do? <laughs> no, I would I really appreciate if the, there were more hours to the day. Mm. So maybe 25, 26, uh, that would be really, really nice. We'll but, work on that. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> but no, I'm a really happy guy. I'm, uh, I have the best support in my family and uh, I really love my work. There's nothing I can say more than that's something that I've taken with me to my work also. Hmm. So uh, what, what, what do you do in the work? What is that? In work, I am a <clears throat> area manager for uh, the service part of the hospital. Hmm. So uh, uh, the cleaning and the transports and so on for all, all that doesn't concern uh, medical services so mm. that's where i'm at well well actually so everything works in in the background or yeah. maybe not even the background but <laughs> because we all see it um I, i'm always saying to my to my staff if if you don't hear anything then everything is working all right but if you don't do your job 
then everybody will know it. Mm. But if I don't hear anything, then it's really, really good. At uh, our hospital here at Kapio Sankt Görans sjukhus, uh, I think the service group or the transportation, they have a very so-called high profile here. Uh, we take care of the cleaning ourselves. We don't uh, buy it from someone else. And the transport showed how they use some apps like to communicate and how they work. And we were like, whoa, this is so cool. It's really a very, very important uh, system at the hospital. Do you think it's kind of sad that people only notice when it doesn't work or do you think that you get enough appreciation with what you're doing at the hospital? No, but I think during the COVID pandemic there was a change because before the pandemic nobody noticed my staff. Huh? They, were in, uh, they were in the shadows. Nobody noticed them. But the COVID pandemic got in and it was necessary to have uh, some extra cleaning. Everything was extra. Mm. And they noticed us because they wanted us and they needed us. And that's when the change was. So today we are on a more equal line to the other staff in the hospital. Mm. So that's that's something that's really, really changed. And that's uh, for me, that's a very positive grade. I have told my staff all the time during this five, six years I've been the boss that your work is extremely important. Mm. Never look down on your own work. <laughs> Never look down on your own work. If you don't do your work, then the other cannot do the operations. They cannot uh, do anything because you have to clean and you have to have the material. They have to have the waste gone and so on. So you have to do your job and you have to be proud of it. Mm. And that's where the love and respect comes in. Because my work here is to see to that my staff is really, really liking their job. They know that I appreciate them a lot. The memory I have when I worked, when I was in medical school during the summer, I, I cleaned at the hospital, not this one, it was another one. And there was some kind of marketing video for, you know, the, the cleaning stuff. Mm. And I, I still remember, and this is like 80 years ago <laughs> or something. <laughs> I still remember how someone on a cleaning machine came driving with a white coat. And this was a commercial or marketing paid by the hospital. And they said something like, do you see the white coat? Is this a doctor or is it a cleaner? And I was like, but why on earth are you comparing? I mean, you shouldn't be ashamed or whatever of your work. It's just as important as a doctor, to be honest, because we have to work together. And I guess that's exactly the same thing that you're saying. But if people don't notice your stuff, how do you encourage them? How can they understand that, well, we are needed, but no one tells us. Now I know it's different after the pandemic, but before that, how did you manage to give that feeling to your co-workers and your staff? You have to see them a lot. You have to be there for the staff. You have to see them. You have to notice what they do. Uh, you have to be out in their area and see if you didn't, they will notice. I give them the courage to be proud of their work. Mm -hmm. I think others will see it. What you're saying is that it's very, very important to be out in the workplace and not sit behind a desk and, and yeah. fill in papers or whatever. In a practical way, do you have like on a schedule that you go out every day at a certain time or when you have 
free time you go out or how, how does it work to to keep it alive that you see people uh, i'm starting a schedule to do this every morning i should go around and say hello to everyone uh, but due to it that i have three different hospitals and 150 people hired so it's really different let's say on Mondays, I go to the one hospital, and then on Wednesdays, I go to the next hospital, and on Fridays, I go to the last hospital, just to see the people, ask them how they're doing, how's the week been, and so on. And I also talk to the other bosses, other employees and other chiefs and staff, and ask them how their week's been, mm. and what's their issues right now. Because yeah. it could be a minor problem for me, but for them, it's a really, really big problem. And if I see them, and I ask them, what's your problem today? And do you have a problem today? And they say, yeah, I have a problem. Uh, and then I just say, yeah, okay, I will, I will look into it. And I will come back to you. And then I come to back, back the next week and I tell them, I have fixed this. And then I will lift them a little bit. Mm. If I only ask them one or two questions or just say, hello, how's the week been? Uh, how's the summer been? Uh, whatever. They will lift. And then for every, every step, they will lift a little bit. Mm. I think that's very important just to see people say hello you can't reach everyone so you can reach many people just by going around in the hospital saying hello how's your day and not only saying hello to my staff saying hello to the other, other professionals i think it's really really important to see mm. people and to make them feel seen you work a lot with this and one of the two words that you use is respect mm. but what happens if you have a co-worker that things really don't work well. I mean, either they don't do their work like they should, or they might have a problem with um, drugs, alcohol. I have no idea. I'm just making up. But I mean, you have you as a boss have to do something about this. How do you think to keep the respect, but you need to tell them that this doesn't work if you have encountered that? But I guess you have because we all have. Yeah, uh, and I think it's really necessary to be honest to take in this person and saying, I think we have a problem. If he or she comes clean right in front of me, then we can work on it right there with our HR human resource. If they say, no, I have no problem. I am, I'm, I'm feeling fine, but I think, hello, you and I have a respect for each other. I respect you as a human being and you respect me as a human being. I'm your boss and you are my employee. It's my duty to see to that you are cleaning your job, you do well. I'm doing this for you, not for, for me. I'm doing this for you. Uh, most of the times, this person know that I have a, all of this respect for them uh, in the other time. So when there is a problem, they can come to me and tell me, hello, I have to talk to you. I need the respect is still there. <laughs> yeah, I need two minutes of your time. And I said, oh, no problem. Mm. You can talk to me whenever send me a text send uh, give me a call just knock on my door if I'm, I'm if i'm not there just send me a text and i will get back to you so even though i have a lot of people uh, under me i'm still there for each other maybe not as much as before but i'm still there and I, they know that they can count on me and i will do my best to do their best mm. uh, they also know that i'm the boss mm. so if there is a problem that we cannot solve uh, on the workplace, we do still have the respect for each other. Even if we have to end the job for this person, we still have the respect for each other. So when he or she leaves the room, she knows that I will respect her or him and why she had to quit the job. We have done all the steps. We have done everything 
to help this person, but this person wasn't helping himself or herself. So we have to come to an end. And then, but she will know or he will know why. And, she, uh, and still feel the respect and love. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's the thing. There's no roof on this room mm-hmm. regarding how to respect and how much love all the way up to the sky. If you do something so the work isn't well done, you're not bad as a person. You might have done something bad yeah. or something suboptimal, mm. and maybe that makes you not fit for this position. Yeah. But that doesn't make you a bad person. Oh. I think that most people think that they are bad persons because they can't complete the task. Mm. And if you're there as a boss telling them that I still have respect, which mm. must mean that you are an okay person. But like you say, you're still the boss. So mm. you have the power to say, no, you can't really work here. Mm. Sorry, but th- that's mm. what it's like. So you gave us a lot of good advice here that you go out in the workplace and talk with people on a regular basis when you have time. And you actually tell them when there's a problem that you do this for them and not for yourself. Uh, You drive this forward in a way so it might come to an end, but you still keep the respect, uh, which must be very good for your own brain and feelings that you don't feel that you did something bad i guess no that, that's true and that's the whole thing that i'm working for is that uh, to know that all my employees can feel my love and respect for them and then i can have love and respect for myself too mm. because i don't want to be the evil boss i don't want to be the high boss on a pedestal somewhere on the high horse running away uh, not looking back and not looking at my staff i would i want to be as close as i can be during Mm. my position i want them to feel it because i cannot always be there physically so that's very good also to be reachable even if you can't be uh, on site every time they know they can text you they can mail you they can maybe call you and so on so that's very important I will let my spirit fly in the hospital (laughs) that I'm here. (laughs) I know that sometimes when you are a boss, it kind of feels empty. Some some people say it's empty at at the top. It's a lot of wind at the top because people expect you to be in a certain way and that's your job and you don't get feedback. But how do you think of your own feedback? Do you get feedback from your bosses or from people around you that you're doing well or that this this is really good or or do you kind of feel you an inner strength that you you don't get feedback but hey it's okay how is your situation i'm superman no no i'm not uh i'm i get a lot of feedback from my bosses my higher bosses and i also have a few uh members of staff that i really listen to and if they say hey you're going the wrong way and when they're saying this with their experience of a lot of another bosses, mm. and I can get into myself and say, what, what way should we go? How should we do it? What do you think? Mm. What's the problem? What should I do for, to be a better boss or to do this better for this hospital? Mm. Uh, it can be really, really lonely at the top mm. because I am the only area manager on this area. So mm. I have to either go up or go down. I can't go to the sides because there are no one. So I have to reach out to my higher boss or high down to the lower bosses, mm. ask them 
what do you think? Did I do this right or did I do this wrong? And I always tell them not to worry, but to say what they think. Because if they think that I'm doing wrong, then it's very good for me to hear it from them. That they come into me and, and, and close the door and say, hey, I think you did this wrong. Then I ask them, what should I have done different? And they say, you should do this or you should do that. I'm always improving myself by the feedback I get from the others. Because I think feedback makes you reach your higher levels. And you can always be better. Mm. Every day you can improve yourself. And that's what I'm doing. Mm. I can set goals for myself. When I reach them, I can celebrate for myself. But maybe for the other staff, they don't understand. They don't know. What have we reached? What have we accomplished? But if I get this level, then I know we've done this and we get so much income and we get minor sick days or whatever. It is lonely at the top, but I think I get feedback from a few people that I really trust. So you have a, a trusty network that you can mm. rely on. Mm. Talking about being honest, I'm just thinking about a funny story I'm a, I must tell you. I was working in the United Kingdom uh, in Great Britain and uh, they had a Swedish senior doctor who was there. Very experienced and very good from a smaller town in southern Sweden actually. Mm. And it was during summer and all the British doctors were dressed in slacks and shirt and, and ties and all that. He came in on a Saturday to just go through the ward. Uh, or have rounds, he came in uh, shorts, like <laughs> uh, you know, summer clothes, and yeah. asked the nurse, is it okay that I come in these clothes? And mm. she said, of course, doctor, you decide. Mm. You're the doctor, because it was very hierarchical, or whatever you say. And so that was okay. And then after maybe a month or so, they were discussing if he could continue his work at the hospital for another year. And he was sacked immediately. And he was, what is this? And they told him, you don't have any respect for the patients because you dress like you're on holiday. And he was like, but I asked. And mm. they told me it was okay. Mm. Yes, but it's not okay. Yes. So, so no one actually said what they were thinking because he was the doctor and they said, oh, you decide. But mm. they were thinking, oh, this is so bad. He was devastated. He didn't do this because he had no respect. That's how we do in Sweden. <laughs> That's a very good advice that you really need to say the truth, even if it hurts from the yeah. beginning. Because everyone feels well in always. the end. Mm. Yeah, always. That's also the kind of love and respect the, that you know that there is a high roof for what you can say and not say. Uh, mm. so, so you don't have to be worried to say what you mean or what you think to me. But being on social media and saying love and respect, uh, I know that there are always people that kind of try to knock you down. I think it's their interest to find social media inputs and just say this is bad. Mm. And and I haven't seen anything officially, uh, but I guess you get, uh, I don't know, messages or, or other things. Do you... Uh, receive negative things just because you are a positive guy out there or do you think that everyone says that oh you're you're a great guy this is terrific uh, I really have to be honest now because that's yeah. all we're talking talked about I have around 7,000 followers and I've done this for LinkedIn I've done for two years since mm -hmm. the pandemic uh, 2020 and I've only received two messages of a negative status mm. uh, one was saying i think you're too funny you cannot mm. be funny on linkedin mm. 
it's a very, very serious social media side. And then I asked her, because it was a her, mm. uh, if I'm not the one I am, then I'm not being honest. And I am a guy that's funny. I have a lot of respect. I do hard work, but I always try to find what's really good, how to make it laugh. You cannot always be serious and devastating. All this leadership, blah, blah, blah. You have to be some funny also. So I could, I can write two weeks about leadership, a love and respect, and so on. And then I make a funny story. Mm. Put it in and get receive a lot of likes and so on, shows and yeah, whatever, messages. Then I'm going two weeks, three weeks about leadership, love and respect. And I get, to, no, I would like to uh, show a picture of uh, my chickens. Mm. So I show a picture of my chickens. And then I read, this is me. This is mm. who I am. Mm. I do this, I do this on my free time. Mm. And uh, I really like to show who I am. And because of, yeah, the statistics are saying that I'm doing right. Mm. I got inspired by another uh, person at LinkedIn yesterday to look at some statistics for my shows. For this last year, I have 1.9 million shows. Congratulations, really. If you see these people in the US, mm. if they say something, I don't know, they get millions of views because there are so many in their networks and a lot of people. So getting these kind of figures in Sweden is just wow, I'm so impressed. Good for you, really. You. And, and only two negative messages yeah. so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they haven't heard you in this they, or, or they say, oh, Mikael was okay. But who is that other guy who just yeah. talks this show to bits? <laughs> <laughs> Let's send him the messages. I try yeah. to be very honest because if my day is not so good and I am doing a message, I will still do the message and say this day is not so good. But in the end of the day, we learned this and we've done this and we can still have a lot of love and respect for ourselves. I think that this motto, love and respect, is really getting into people right now. Mm. Uh, because I think what we need in this society, in this world, is that we treat each other with love and respect. And I think that's what's missing because everyone is so focused on their own. Mm. And if I'm focusing on the others, to make them grow, mm. then they will make me grow. Instead of doing this for my, myself, I can help maybe well, 200 people, 300 people feel better by showing them that even if they think I'm the Superman or the Mr. Love and the Respect guy or whatever, they know that I can have bad days and I can have really good days. Just like on this Sunday, I was in uh, Sweden's most uh, popular super mall, Ullared, which is... Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and my wife and kids, I have three teenage girls that really love this mall. Mm. Uh, I don't. But I go there once every second year or something like that, just to show my respect and love for them. Mm -hmm. uh, then I show this on LinkedIn. Hey guys, look at me. I'm standing here outside of this, yeah, Ullared uh, mall. And I'm, yeah, you know, feel sorry for me. Blink, blink. Uh, 
from this photo was taken, then I went into the store and then I looked at my phone again. So 50 messages saying that, oh, we feel with you, brother. We feel with you. Just to be funny. Mm. Not, not, nothing serious. I can really enjoy Ulrich, not mall, but the other things. You can go fishing. You can go drink, t- having a beer or two, three, maybe. Because mm. it's vacation. So, but really just to show that. It's hey, a life. Normal yeah, life. It's normal mm. life. I'm a regular guy. Maybe on uh, on a weeknight, I take a photo inside of the hospital from an empty uh, corridor, and so on, just to show that I'm here, just here looking, just checking that everything's all right. Uh, during the pandemic, I was here almost 24/7 uh, every day of the week, because I had to sh- check on uh, the stuff that the uh, the medics needed and uh, everything like that. And I was there every day. All of the day. That's what's really boring to show on uh, social media, because every day, yeah, now I'm in uh, Malmo at this uh, big hospital, picking up something or doing like this and so on. And I really, really know that this is not the other social media. This is not Facebook. This is not Instagram, because it has another potential uh, viewers. Mm. But to show that there's a person behind the message. That's a person behind the title you have mm. just because i'm the area manager doesn't mean that i don't go out take a beer or go out with my wife to a restaurant or take my children and throw them in the ocean or something like that. to show that there's a person that's just really important to me and i think during this period of time i really tried to reach out to the one that i thought was needing my hand mm. and just to show them I see you and I, I hear what you're saying. I cannot help you because there's been a lot of messages from people who were feeling really, really bad. That were had no money, very bad health, no job, uh, whatever. Really, really tragical uh, messages have reached to me. I try to reach out to them and say, yeah, I see you. And I know that if you just keep on trying, there is a new beginning for you. You have to uh, hire your view to see the other side, not standing on the same step, which is really, really easy to do if you're feeling low or you have no self-esteem and so on, that you're standing on yourself and just uh, looking, look, no, I'm not good at this. I cannot do this. I'm not, mm. never going to do this or whatever. Mm. And it's been really, really nice to follow these people and see where they are now. I followed one guy. His life was... I was almost crying when I read about his life. But then somehow he managed to reach out for the society to say, hey, I need your help. I cannot do this on my own. And the society said, oh, well, come on, we help you. And then others like me tried to prepare him for what this is the next step. If you're going there, you're going to do this. And now two years later, he has his own job. He has an own apartment has his own car yeah and he's coming to see me soon so it's really good those stories makes me feel really really good there's a meaning to what i'm doing yeah there's a higher goal not just for myself but for helping and reaching out to others that's for me really really important 
That's a, a very important message that even if you're feeling very low or at a very low point in your life, there could be a change. Mm. When I see my patients with the persistent pain, they usually have problems with not only pain, but their job and their family and they can't sleep and maybe they take medication that gives side effects and so on. And I tell them that maybe you should try something else in your life. And I don't say that as a healthy doctor who just gives some kind of advice that I've read in a book, but just like you, I have seen patients who have done this. Mm. I've seen patients who have had a regular work which didn't end well because they were unhealthy with no safety net. They started their own business mm. and they said, I didn't even know how to do this thing. I just read on the net and watched YouTube videos because I had an interest in this. Mm. I had a patient recently who now is a jeweler who, <laughs> and he showed me some pictures and they were just beautiful things yeah. that he's now selling. And I said, but how did you learn this? Mm. And he said, I watched YouTube and I started. <laughs> you can really tell the patients that I've seen patients who have done this. It's not me. I've done this my whole work. I'm, I haven't changed much. You should look at me. I just do the same thing every day. I'm, I'm so boring. But look at the ones that actually changed their lives because they had to. And that's what you're saying. And it must be great to see this guy who changed his life as well. It makes you happy. Yeah, it really does. It makes yeah. me feel that I've reached some of my goals because it's very important for me to be there for others. As important as for me to have my own time, then it's very important for me to reach out to others and make them feel shown and so on. For the listener, you have, of course, noticed that my show here isn't only about pain, but it could be about anything. And the contrasts can be very, very big. And I felt that we really need something positive. And to be honest, if people would have the same thoughts about love and respect like you have, we wouldn't have war, No. to be honest. Yeah. There are positive things in a sometimes dark world, and you are one of them, Michael. It's uh, really nice to talk to you, by the way. Thank you. Uh, have you been like this all the time, or, or have you become this person who understood that this is the way to do it, or are you just raised like this? I think it's uh, a part of uh, everything. I think I was uh, born and raised to be a respectful guy that was born and raised with a lot of love. Mm -hmm. my mother and father i could always tell them everything if yeah. there was a problem if i've done uh, hey i'm a boy and i'm born in the 70s so i've done uh, a lot of things before instagram and facebook and the cell phones and so on so uh, yeah uh, thank god there were no cell phones uh, but i've done a lot and sometimes i come home to my father and mother and said uh, i've done this and this is really really bad that's it yeah you should have done it this way or this way. And you know, of course, it's really, really bad. And we know that this is going to be some uh, troubles, but we support you because we know who you are without doing a lot of uh, stuff that boys did in those days. And I started as a truck driver when I was 18 years old. I thought that was the future for me. Because when I was little, my father was a truck driver. And he was my hero. So mm. I'm going to be a truck driver. Because that's what life's about. But then I started as an 18-year-old. And when I was 20, I thought, mm, no, I don't think this is it for me. 
I then saw a transportation manager and hey, there's a way for me to still be in this sort of branch. That's where my career started because I said when I was 20 years old to my boss then, I, I want to be like him. But he's been driving trucks for 30 years and he has a lot of experience. You have to have a lot of experience to do this kind of job, to be a manager and so blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so I said, okay, okay, fine. I, will, I won't ask you again, but you know, if you get a problem, I will do it. Mm -hmm. But you don't have the experience. No, but I have to learn. So a half year later, this one transportation manager got really, really sick and they had no one. And then Bud came to me, hey, you're still interested. Yep, I said. <laughs> so I went in and that's the way I've lived my life. Because when they open a door, I'm stupid enough to just walk right through it. Because even if I don't have a clue what I'm doing, I, I try to get it and I try to make sure that I know enough to do a good job. It sounds a little bit pathetic, but with my positive energy, I have always done these steps. So I started like a truck driver and I was, then I was just transport manager by 20 years old. And then I was like 24, 25. I was headhunted to another company. The wheels been spinning and I always tried to be the best I always can. And I always tried to be positive and respect other people. So I think from the very beginning, and then through all my career, see the positive things in everything. I've been through a lot of uh, negative stuff, but I've always tried to see the positive side of this negative. Mm. I think that's something that made me the man I am today or the person I am today. And mm. uh, when people come to me and say, hey, I've been through this or I've been to that and I have a, my wife is uh, doing this and we're going to divorce or we have economic problems or we have whatever. I, tr I have been there. I have experienced this. So when they come to me and say, this has happened, then I can take it in and tell them how I did it, what I did to make it feel better and how to get over it. And that makes them feel that I respect them and they will respect me. So I, in that way, I can make my own way to their way or their way to my way, whatever. I could take my experience and make their way easier. So instead of waiting two or three years to know the answer, I can give them the answer because I've been there and I did it this way. Maybe this will help you. Maybe not, but this is my way and it, it worked for me and I, I'm over it now. And please don't do anything stupid or just, just come to me when you have another problem and I will help you. And, and I have, a distinct feeling that you're not really afraid of failing. No. I mean, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, that's really right. I don't see failure as failure. I see failure as a step on the way because experience. Yeah. When you fail, you, you come to an end of that road and you know, I have to go right or left or up or down, but it's not end of the life. It's just end of a trip. So a lot of experience from this failures hmm. i don't dig a grave for myself every time i get uh, turned down or something like that because then i would be really really deep down right now yeah I, I don't know if it's true but i heard someone compare swedish starting a company 
and doing it in the US that if you try something new in Sweden and you go broke because it didn't work out uh, opinion is that you you are not really good and you did not do that well and uh, like that but in in the US it's more like hey great that you tried and let's try another thing yeah. uh, because that didn't work but now you get more experience and m maybe it's always uh, that the grass is greener on the other side but in Sweden sometimes I feel a little bit jumped and you shouldn't yeah, I get a lot of uh, hints about this hey you say maybe you should think about what you're writing down or saying or something like that because you know that this uh, jantelag will uh, hit you in the neck uh, and I say don't think you're good no <laughs> or better not, than anyone else do not write your figures about what you're earning do not write your figures I put this on LinkedIn about my shows that 1.9 something like that mm. because I felt that hey if I can do it everyone can do it there was some meaning the best of the world for me saying to me that, no, I don't think you should write that on LinkedIn because, you know, this is Sweden. This is not the US. You don't tell anyone what you earn per month. You don't tell anyone how good you are at things. And most of all, you don't show it on your social media because that, that's no, that's jantelag. That's uh, and I really think that we should do everything to uh, make this jantlog for Sweden just vanish, mm. be gone. Because every, everyone can do their best. And as long as they do their best, I think we should support them. Whatever way they're going, if they're doing their best and they're staying legal, then we should support them and make a high five everyone that's uh, try their best. Like <laughs> some of my staff, they've been working here for... 30, 35, 40 years uh, doing the exactly same thing for all of these years. Maybe they've changed uh, area in the hospital, but that's all. Mm. And just feeling very good with this. I had one of these uh, ladies in for a talk and I asked her, when did you start in this uh, hospital? And she said, yeah, I started here in 1979. Okay. I have been working here almost as long as I've lived. Yeah. And why? <laughs> because I feel I feel safe. I know the people I'm working with. I know the bosses I'm working with. Okay, they change bosses uh, on the uh, lower level a lot, but I still know my colleagues, and they know me. And if I have a problem, I go to my colleagues and so on. So this security around her was the main thing for her to stay at the hospital for all this time. So she went to retirement in June, I think, and she was crying her eyes out and she was all shaking and stuff. And I said, why, hey, why, why are you shaking? Oh, I'm gonna leave this workplace. Whoa. But hey, you have a new life. Mm. In three weeks or four weeks or two months, you think, how did I have the time to work? Because now I have so much other things to do. Mm. Let's start a new life. Let's experience the world. See what's outside of this hospital. See what's outside of this town. Uh, a lot of people working here for a lot of years. And I re highly respect that. Someone just likes to work in quietly and do the job and know that they do the best they can to do the job and go home. Just leave the job. And then come back in the morning, do the same thing again. I'm not that type of guy, but I, I can really respect the ones that are. And I think that's really important. <laughs> I've said it before here, but when I started doing this pod, I talked to someone who, who knew something about this, who does not live in Sweden and said, well, a lot of people with pain and 10 million speak Swedish. Why not do it in English? Mm. 
And when I tried to convince myself and the other person, it was Jante all the way. I mean, mm. why should I speak in English? Because then everyone thinks that, oh, he thinks that he's some kind of international superstar or will be because now he talks in, in English. Yeah. After I did that, I, I mean, like I say many times, 20% uh, of my listeners come from non-Swedish speaking countries, which is great. I'm up to 50 episodes now, I think. I have had two guests who didn't want to talk in English, which I fully respect. Uh, but mm. apart from that, it's it's no problem. I mean, everyone speaks English. And I even heard from someone that it's so nice. Uh, now, excuse me, all Americans who might be listening. Uh, it's so nice not to hear the American English. <laughs> Yeah. to hear this kind of Swedish broken English it's so mm. nice so mm. uh, and that was just Jante you know that now why should I speak in English because everyone thinks that I I mean something but it's a statement that I'm yeah. better than everyone else no it's something completely different I had to do it because of my computer software <laughs> yeah. and now I'm just still doing it because I know that there are some people that don't understand Swedish who mm. listen to this show and why keep them out of this also the same thing like you say mm. so now i'm just a little bit curious about your farm actually you, you need to tell me about that are you also you know, growing your own crops and no. and meat or, or is it just for fun or i'm not uh, that kind of a farmer i live on a, a farm in a small area of grass and uh, i have some chickens and i have uh, a dog and i have uh, one two three five cats Four, five, five cats, not two rabbits also. I had goats before, but me and them were too equal because they re really didn't like to be in a box. <laughs> outside the box, the grass was, grass was always greener on the outside. Mm -hmm. Even though I gave them everything I could possibly think of, they were always out of, uh, out of the box. Yeah, it's a uh, full house. Mm. Five kids in the age from six to 20. Yeah, 20. It's a great spread. And, uh, there is always something to do regarding the farm or regarding the children or anything. And I live outside of the villages, so there's no bus stop and there's only gravel roads. So you have to drive everywhere. <laughs> Usually you say that if you both work and are at home, if you're kind of feeling low in one of the places, the second place needs to be good. So if it's troublesome at home, you really need to have a work that's okay yeah. or, or good and if it's bad at work you need to be able to come home and feel good mm -hmm. i guess that's exactly what you have but then some people you know they really get in this crisis when both places run low mm -hmm. at the same time because that happens in life yeah you take it as an experience and you s try to see the positive things even when it's dark yeah. and uh, i can see the result here a, a guy who has a lot of followers says a lot of wisdom and is very positive one of the guys that actually brings this world forward right thank you thank you so mm -hmm. much yeah. mm -hmm. i think that's one of my uh, most important things to do in this life is to uh, show people there's another side of every story. Even though it's really, really dark and everything feels really bad, then you should always know there's another day coming. The sun is still rising, even though it's very dark. Uh, a little bit like Pippi Longstocking. Mm -hmm. uh, he always said, I have never done this, so I'm really good at it. I think I'm really good at it. It's like riding a bike without a tire in the front. Just doing a, a back ride. Riding back. on the back wheel. <laughs> yeah. If she can do it, I can do it. 
Mm. I think that's uh, how I go into everything. Mm. I've never done this before, but I think I'm good at it. This has been really an interesting talk. Like always, we didn't prepare. You didn't know no. what I was... Well, I didn't know what I was going to ask either, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Uh, we got to learn a lot and it was very, very interesting. But is there anything you think that I missed asking you or something that you want to say? Or do you think we covered some interesting I, stuff? I think we covered uh, some in interesting stuff. And uh, the most important is that it maybe can sound like I don't have any frights or any concerns about my own uh, work that I really do. And I uh, really do all of this with the, the biggest love and respect for the bosses, the company and everything. I just do this to reach higher goals. Mm. Like sometimes you have to stick a chin out and uh, just go into it. You have obstacles too, but you work through them. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. And where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? Same mm. place, but more experience or somewhere else? Not to frighten your co-workers if they are listening that you're going away, but you know, you have to have yeah. visions. Yeah. And, and one of my visions is to coach others and so, uh, stuff like that. That would really be funny to work with that full time. Uh, but I'm also a reasonable guy that knows that everything takes time. In 10 years, I have my own coach company doing this uh, on a regular basis going out helping people that would be really nice but also if i do the same thing that i do today but maybe in a bigger area or a bigger hospital that would also be great so yeah mm -hmm. i had a lot of goals but i'm not set anyone for 10 i'm looking for what's happening to tomorrow or, yeah. yeah great what happened tomorrow is the bigger thing mm. so michael it has been a pleasure talking to you and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you okay, so, so take care now. Yeah, thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.